Over the past few weeks, we've been going through a series titled God's Desired Future for Exeter Christian Reformed Church. And during this series, we've been asking ourselves four questions. I've said that we're asking these questions of ourselves as our church, but if you're, from a, if you're visiting, you can ask this of your own church, your own organization. You can ask it, these questions of yourselves personally as well. So we've been asking these four questions. We've looked at three of them so far, and today again, we're going to look at the third question. Um, the fourth question, the fourth one, how will we succeed? We're going to look at sometime in May, so after Easter, so we got some time before we look at that one. But uh, today we again pursued a third question. What do we do? We, as Exeter Christian Reformed Church, we live out the gospel of Christ, equipping people to daily see and serve the Lord in relationships and creation. As a response to God's gospel of grace, we are called to live out that gospel, to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ as we equip people to see God at work in themselves, in others, and all of creation. We equip people not only to see, though, but then also to serve, to serve God and to serve one another. Last week, we uh, heard a message from Ephesians 4, and we referred to equipping and growing and maturing in our faith, and we talked about the importance of spiritual growth. We were challenged that we cannot remain as spiritual infants, but rather we need to grow, and as we grow, so too the church will grow. Leaders are called to be part of that growth and equipping process. Today, this morning, we focus on Romans 12, uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, and we focus on Romans 12 in the area of serving. We equip people to mature in their faith journey to daily see and serve the Lord in relationships and creation. Now, when Paul wrote this letter to the Christians in Rome, in the first 11 chapters, he provided heavy doctrinal standards. He reminded the people that, yes, people, we are sinners. We deserve God's wrath. But then he kind of goes on to say, hey, don't worry, people, be happy. Well, actually, he doesn't only say be happy about it, but he says it's better to be holy. Because God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take the place of those sins that we have all committed. What we used to be was dead in our sins, but through Christ we are now alive. Have faith in Jesus Christ and live the life of discipleship that he calls us to live here on this earth. So that's the first 11 chapters. Then we get to chapters 12 and 13 in Paul's letter. And, and the letter in 12 and 13, and we'll begin to read some verses from 12, takes a bit of a turn. Chapter 12 and 13 provides us encouragement on how to live our lives in faith. On account of all that God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ, how are we going to respond? Romans 12, Paul refers to God's mercy. We'll hear that in verse 1. Paul brings up God's grace that is given to us. We'll read that in verse 3 and 6. He reminds us of the measure of faith that God has given to us in verse 3. On account of all what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus how are we, as his people, as his church, as his body, going to respond? What do we, as a local church body, do? 
So we're going to read from Romans 12, 1 through 8. You can find it in your pew Bibles or phones, or it'll be on the screen as well. But before we do, let's pray. Father God, you've called each of us here for a purpose. And you give each of us here a purpose. As we read and hear from your word today, may that purpose become clear, not only so we will understand and be informed, but so that we will be transformed in our thinking, our speaking, our behavior. By your Holy Spirit of Jesus, transform us more and more into your likeness so that in all areas of life we will serve you and serve others. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So Romans 12, 1 through 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Verse 1 begins with the phrase, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... As we've been going through these four questions, firstly, we've been reminded that God initiates. God initiates. We respond. And again, in this passage, God initiates. And we're able to keep in mind all that he has done for us. As Paul states, in view of God's mercy, God has extended his mercy to us. Again, we deserve punishment. But we don't receive punishment. Instead, what we do receive is mercy. Instead of punishment, we receive his love. We receive his grace. Instead of punishment, we receive forgiveness of all our sins. Instead of punishment and eternal death, Jesus has taken the punishment upon him at the cross. And we instead are able to receive eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. Is it fair? No. But it's awesome, and let's be thankful for it. God initiates. We respond. So in view of God's mercy, we are urged to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. We respond by offering our bodies as living sacrifices and not conforming to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Verse 2. So in Romans 12, verse 2. There's two uh, form words, at least in the English language, there's two form words. The one word is conform, and the other word is transform. 
And to conform is quite different than to transform. For all that Christ has done for us, and again, you can read that in Romans chapters 1 through 11, in view of God's mercy, will your response be one of conform? Or will your response be one of transform? To conform is to give the shape, give the same shape or form. To conform means to become identical or similar. To conform is like making jello. You pour the jello mix into the mold, and over time, this jello, which was liquid, becomes hard and it fits perfectly into that mold, and it takes the shape of the mold even when it's removed from the mold. The jello mix conforms to its surrounding context. When Christians come into the patterns of the world, believers will take the shape of the world. Sooner than later, the believer's identity can easily be tied to the world and not to the Lord. To conform implies that there's little work. One minute, again, it's like a liquid jello, and the next minute, it's a solid. And to conform is not a direction which is pleasing to the Lord. So Paul says not to be shaped or conformed to the pattern of the world. The world here means the spirit of age. In fact, Eugene Peterson, he paraphrases this passage in in, uh, the message where he says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you just fit into it without even thinking. Conforming to the world or our natural sinful self is often self-serving. To conform means that we are finding out what pleases us. We're honoring ourselves. We're doing what we want to do. We're working on our own agenda, so to speak. And this happens often in the world. And even in the lives of believers and in churches. But rather, we are called to be countercultural. Again, we're not to please ourselves, but our calling is to please God. As we continue reading, we should find out what God's will is. Verse 2b. Everything we do for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. We should always follow the words of Ephesians 5, 10. Find out what pleases the Lord. Therefore, do not conform like a jello mold. Rather, the second form word that we look at is transform. As Paul states, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To conform means to be identical or similar. To conform is an outward change. The Greek word for transform is metamorpho, where we get the English word metamorphosis. To transform is to become different. To transform is like a caterpillar that transforms into a butterfly, becoming different, becoming different from the world, even different from what you were. Remember, we were dead in our sins and our transgressions. Transform is a change from within that leads to a change on the outside. And transformation is a continual journey. The transformation for Christians occurs, as Scripture says, through the renewing of our minds. What that means is we need to change the way we think. Our minds need to be renewed. 
Our hearts need to be removed, uh, renewed. Our behavior and our actions need to reflect that the Holy Spirit is at work in us, transforming us more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Again, we need to become different from what we were. As Paul says, we need to be transformed into living sacrifices, pleasing to God. When we change the way we think, we will change the way we live. Think like the world, you'll live like the world. Renew your mind. Put your mind on the Savior, on Jesus. Live like Jesus. Transformation implies a continuous process. The word, in, that's the word transform in this passage also implies that we do not transform ourselves. But this transformation actually is acted upon by an outside source. Transformation is the work of the Holy Spirit, not the world. It is the Holy Spirit that works in us for this transformation. Again, God is, is, is working his transforming power in us. You hear that again? He initiates. God initiates. And then how do we respond? So we need to be open and vulnerable to the Spirit's work of transformation in our lives. And this word that's used here in this passage to transform is not only a continually process, but it's also a command. It's a command from God's Word. Even though transforming is the work of the Holy Spirit upon us, God initiates, we cannot sit passively and idly and just let the Spirit do all the work. We need to respond. We need to be active in the sense that we need the, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. We are to cooperate in the transformation. In one of Paul's letters uh, to the Philippian church, they're commanded actually, and he uses that language, he, he commands them to work out your salvation. Philippians 2 verse 12. And that's not meaning that we earn our salvation through ourselves, but working out our salvation means that we continually are transforming. We're getting more and more in line with what the Spirit of Jesus wants us to do for His will. We're continually to be more and more open to the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And so we're working alongside of the Holy Spirit at work in us. Not like jello, a liquid to a solid, but a caterpillar to a butterfly. In a stage of journey of transformation. We're in a journey of metamorphosis. A continued journey. As Paul states, we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So what makes our thinking change? Well, when we have faith in Jesus and begin to understand what he has done for us, when we realize that God gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life, you cannot help but change your thinking based on what God has done through his son. That renews our minds. Through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, our thinking begins the transformation. It's not what can I get, but it's what can I give because Christ gave so much 
to me. And so it's important to recognize what we are feeding our minds. Will what we feed our minds lead us to conforming to the world? Or what we f- will we feed our minds lead us to transforming our lives in Jesus? Feed upon God's Word. Feed upon the opportunity of getting together with God's people, whether it's on Sunday mornings or throughout the week. Gather together as His body. And so our transformation, the renewing of our minds, will change us inside and out. Again, when we can change the way we think, we will change the way we live. And this transformation will be seen in the giving of ourselves. It will be visible in our serving, and not only as individuals, but as a body, as a church community. Now, I usually don't pay attention to the subtitles in the Bible translations. But in this case, verses 3 to 8 has a subtitle, Humble Service in the Body of Christ. We are called to be humble servants. Again, we're called to serve God. We're called to serve His people. We're to serve the body of Christ. Or other several, in other several parts of Scripture, we may use the word serve, but also we use the word love, right? Love God. Love one another. Now this verse, or this list in verses 3 to 8, it's not a complete list of ways to serve, but this list points us in the direction of transformation. And again, where we set our thinking, our behavior will follow. Verse 3 begins with Paul saying, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, again, Paul acknowledges that the grace that he's talking about, the grace that he has, has been given to him by God. Paul goes on to say, then let's not think higher about ourselves than we ought. This doesn't mean that we're to put ourselves down or that everyone else is more important and, or that we can't even think about ourselves. No. But we're called to love others as we love ourselves. Love your neighbor as yourself. Again, Paul knows that the human tendency is to put ourselves ahead of others. And our human pride has a way of just patting ourselves on the back. Again, he reminded that the grace is given to him, given to each of us by God. And part of our renewing of our minds is to think about others. Part of renewing our minds is to continually put in our mind that we're called to serve God, that we're called to serve his people. Serve one another. Verse, eight, verse 5, rather, Paul states that each member belongs to one another. Each member belongs to one another. We are in the community for the community. We are in the community to serve the community. Growth and serving can only take place in the community. And so Paul goes on to refer to different gifts, such as prophesying and serving and teaching and encouraging and giving and leading and showing mercy. And again, all of this, not an exhaustive list, but all of this is in response to what God has done. We serve, we respond to the glory of God. We serve God. We serve His people. We serve the community, the body of Christ. We serve His creation. That's other communities, other people, this world. 
As we continue to serve in these various capacities, we are serving the body of Christ. As people who are continually being transformed in the likeness of Jesus, we need to be part of the body of Christ. Because when we are part of a bigger body, we get the nutrients from the body in order that we can indeed grow. Again, growing is important. We talked about maturity last week. If we're not getting the nutrients from the body and from God's word, we're likely getting nutrients from elsewhere, probably from the world. That, again, is conforming to the world. We are, again, to cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit in the process of transformation. We're called to transform and to serve God's people and live together and love together as his body. You know, a church can have the strongest theology. Church can say all the correct things, have sound doctrines, have great catechisms, great confessions, but this is all for nothing if it doesn't impact the way we live. It's all for nothing if the church is not building the kingdom and serving God and his people. Theology is not theology unless it impacts the way we live. And scripture is clear on that. What we think, what we believe, will be lived out in our actions. One role in the body is, an important, is as important as another role in the body. And we all need to serve one another as a body of God's people in order to function properly. And you could think that your role is important, and you should think that your role is important, because it is. And you could celebrate that role, and the body can celebrate your role. But do not put our role and our serving higher than another person's. We should never look down on another person. Our thinking should be that we should not assume they are using their gifts for their own glory, but rather using their gifts to the glory of God. We're not to build up our own ego, ego rather, and by doing that we tear others down. In humility, humble service again, in humility, we are grateful. Grateful for what God has given to us. Grateful for what God has given others. We give thanks to God for the opportunity to serve. We give thanks to God for others' opportunity to serve. As we more and more transform by renewing our minds and our thoughts, by living out the actions from this transformation, And we'll do that by serving one another and serving the community of the saints and beyond the community. We will see not only the renewing of our minds, but we'll see transformation on the inside and the outside. I conclude with the words from paragraph 41 of the uh, Christian Reformed Church Contemporary Testimony. Our world belongs to God. And paragraph 41 says, Joining the mission of God, the church is sent with the gospel of the kingdom to call everyone to know and follow Christ and to proclaim to all the assurance that in the name of Jesus there is forgiveness of sin and new life for all who repent and believe. The Spirit calls all members to embrace God's mission in their neighborhoods and in the world, to feed the hungry, to bring water to the thirsty, 
to welcome the stranger, to clothe the naked, to care for the sick, and to free the prisoner. You hear the serving component. And we repent of leaving this work to a few, for the mission is central to our being, to our being the church. People of God, for all that God has done for us, let us be united together as the body of Christ on this earth, in this place, serving God and serving one another to the glory of God our Father. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your words of grace that call us sinners and broken people to follow you. We thank you for the act of grace that you sent your son, Jesus, to this earth to die for our sins and you raise him from the dead to give us new life. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that was sent, sent to us to encourage, to comfort, to empower us to do your work and your mission in this world. Lord, we confess that it's so easy to conform to the patterns of this world and to focus on things that are not in line with you and your word. It's so easy to simply focus on ourselves. So please forgive us when we do that and work in us to follow you. Work in us to transform us more and more into your likeness. May we surrender our lives to you. And it's only in the name of Jesus we pray this. Amen.